Hey guys, welcome to the Launch and Scale podcast. I'm Kirsten Ross, and this podcast, we talk about best practices when it comes to launching and scaling your physical product brand online. Whether you're doing Kickstarter or even launching your own brand online, we help you with best foundational practices and conversations around helping you build a brand that you can sell or at basic support your lifestyle so that you can quit your nine to five and live life on your terms Super excited. You can dive into more resources and previous episodes at Kirsten.com. I have like a super exciting interview today. So um, one of our scale clients that I, wow, see what I mean? I like always screw up the introduction. But anyway, um, we'll just get our team to splice this together. But um, I'm actually pumped about this one because for the first time I'm interviewing a creator that I didn't have anything to do with the campaign where Lord of the Chords raised over $200,000, but we're actually working together to transition them into a full e-commerce storefront and actually build it into a brand, which is the, um, I find a really an uphill battle with a lot of creators because you went through the the easy part they say of selling the product and now you have to go through fulfillment but how do you actually like build on top of that and in my time working with Jonathan like I'll get I'll get him to introduce the brand and stuff in a second but um, I realized a few things that they did in their pre-launch that were out of this world and I really after John kind of passed me a blog that he wrote about how he was able to get his product in um, 13 celebrity endorsements before they had even launched and how he used that social proof to really have his campaign go viral, I had to bring him into the, like have a conversation with him that was obviously recorded because I think that there's a lot of gold of what these guys are doing behind the scenes that I wanted to share with the world. And I think John agrees as well, because he's here. So super pumped to have you. I guess, why don't we start with, can you just introduce yourself and go over what Lord of the Chords is and just go from there? Hi, I'm John, or you can call me John of the Chords. And with my two co-founders, Junyu and Keith, we made Lord of the Chords, which is a music theory card game. And uh, the reason we made this game is because when I was a teen, I had to learn music theory and I hated it so much. I was so bored. But then... And, and uh, I, I just got through the exams and I remember I started to, to dislike my, my mom and my teacher a little bit. And I loved them so much, so it was very confusing for me. And then fast forward a few years later, we made this game to make it more fun for people. And it, it touches our hearts to know that all around the world, thousands of teachers are, are having fun with music theory. So that's the story of the game. Yeah, um... So the demographics buying the game, I know definitely teachers are buying this to help make music theory studying more fun, but do you find a lot of students are actually using buying this as well, or is it mostly like parents that just want to help their kids? Like, who's buying this? It's a lot of, uh, it's, it's basically the golden intersection of people who love board games and people who love music. Those are the biggest chunk. And then there's parents and friends of people who know music lovers and teachers. Yeah. And now when you went to develop this game, um, you know, anyone that goes to your Kickstarter Indiegogo page, you have a lot of video and testimonials from people that have actually play tested this. Um, 
Can you walk me through like how you developed a board game, well, I guess more of a card game that people really love playing and how you tested that outside of your like classroom between the three of you guys when you were designing it? All right. <clears throat> we designed it um, in a month before we went to the army in Singapore. We have to serve the army conscription. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was after the army, after, before university, after army. So it was like free time. And uh, I remember I, I taught him jazz over the summer and he was like, oh, music theory is fun. So that's when he had the idea to make the game. So we just took like empty white plain name cards and we wrote ideas for the cards on them. And we based the, the, the base rules off of other set collection games like Mahjong, which is a traditional mm-hmm. Chinese game and Monopoly Deal, which is a card game version of Monopoly. And then from there, we just sort of messed around playing the game with each other and like maybe four more friends. That's all. And in a month, we had the game. But so we had the game in in our own hands, like officially real cards. And we were like, oh, this is amazing. And then we killed the idea because we thought no one would play a music theory card game. But I, I brought the, the cards with me for three years everywhere I went. And I would play it with any musical friend I knew which was not that many because <laughs> the game is kind of hard. But still, because it was over three years and and uh, I, I played lots of friends are gamers, <laughs> so they would give very pointed advice about like, oh, it feels too slow-paced sometimes or like this card is overpowered. It's, it throws off the balance. So over time, we just got better and better at changing one rule here, one rule there. So what was it that got you to take this seriously because you you went from this is just a geeky thing that me and my friends like to play in my like in my dining room to oh my gosh people are actually going to pay for this so when did you take the project seriously because you're now full-time in the business so like what what changed it was a combination of three to four things the first is we've always wanted to to do a kickstarter (laughs) so that's always been there uh, the second is uh, me and Keith, we did an, a design thinking internship at this company called Awaken Group. And while we were there, we started thinking about uh, how we can like, sort of change the world if we had to do only one industry. And at the time, we were working on the retail industry, and we had all these amazing insights about how to make it better. And then we felt like the moment we left our internship, the, the bell curve would sort of shift back. You know, because talent left. So we thought, what's mm-hmm. one bell curve we can go in and shift to the right, and it'll shift all the other bell curves to the right. And we thought, we thought, oh, education. So we spent the next six months uh, interviewing uh, teachers, parents, principals, students. Like we would interview one of them for two hours every week, and we gathered all these insights. And we found amazing things like teachers love teaching, but they hate their jobs. Students love learning, but they hate school. Mm-hmm. Very contradicting things all over the place. At the end of it, after six months of this and running workshops and like trying things out and like like going into the industry, right? Uh, our conclusion was um, things are dysfunctional because the education is driven by the economy, mm-hmm. and the economy, at least in Singapore, is driven by fear. So we had to address the fear in order to address all the problems in education. And uh, 
So my thought was, okay, I need to show it's not that hard to make it out there in the world. (laughs) And also show that if you make learning fun, it'll pay off both for the learners and for the producers. Mm -hmm. And I had loaded courts in the back pocket. So I thought, okay, this seems to be a sign. Let's do it. So that was the second thing. First thing was we only want to do Kickstarter. Second thing was this extreme education. That's what we call it, the project. Extreme education. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the third thing um, was that, well, we we went to uh, Unleash the Power Within, which is a Tony Robbins event. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that event. <laughs> yeah. And it's actually, yep. it's actually super yep. good. Yeah, and all three of us co-founders went and we got really super driven and very clear and sure about what we wanted once we went there. So that was the third thing. <laughs> okay. And did you find that Lord of the Chords happened or really you just decided to make it a thing at UPW or was it more, was it just, I guess is that the nail in the coffin, I guess? So, okay, I said one, two, three, and there's one more. The Maybe fourth four. one. That's what I thought, because you stopped talking. I'm like, <laughs> I think he's done. But go on, number four. The fourth one was uh, my mentor is the, the, the creator of Potato Pirates, which is a coding educational card game. And, uh, like, I lived on a couch in my, in my university, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that couch belonged to him. So I saw firsthand his Kickstarter journey. Every step of the way, from prototyping, testing the game out with people, uh, like inviting the press over to his office, you know, and finally when he launched on Kickstarter, the success that came, I was like, wow, if he can make this, I can make what I make. And I, I also played the game with him, and he was like, yeah, this this can go really well. Amazing. Yeah. So like, it's gotcha. all four of those combined made me go like, okay, it's time. Okay. Cool. So you then jump in with both feet, decide to do a Kickstarter. Um, Now, anyone who does any Googling on Kickstarter strategy or how to get a campaign together, they hear that you need an audience of people ready to buy your product as soon as you're live. And there's a few different ways to do that, building an email list, PR, social media, whatever. But one of the things that, and you know, we can go through step by step what you did, but I feel that's best to focus on the 80-20 of what really made the difference. And one thing that really stands out from what you guys did in the pre-launch is getting that industry social proof from celebrities. Why is social proof, and I'm going to be doing it like a follow-up episode, I guess, more on how to get social proof. So I guess this is a really good like gateway episode for that. Um, <clears throat> but you can have the biggest email list you can have the biggest Instagram following. But at the end of the day, if you can get endorsed by celebrities that have a cult following, all it takes is that celeb, like it's it's like a built-in trust factor. So the fact that you guys focused on that social proof really helped you bring in a different audience, but also convert an existing Kickstarter audience into really trusting that this card game is amazing because of the association with professional musicians. 
So I'd love to talk about that because I think social proof is something that a lot of people struggle to get with new products and they may even have, majority of people have a limited mindset that if they don't have multiple products, they can't ship out to influencers, therefore they don't get social proof. Whereas you're just like, well, screw that. I'm just going to go get social proof. So I really want to just jump into that because I think it's something that a lot of people need to do, but majority does it terribly. So um, I want to understand your thought process a bit in audience building. Like with Kickstarter, you knew what goes into it, but um, what were the top two areas that you focused on when it came to building an audience and how did you decide that social proof with celebrities was going to be like an angle that was like tangible for you? Uh, I have a, I have a great friend who did two Kickstarters before for a bag. It's, it's the bow bag. Yeah. That's what it's called. Bow quiver bag. And, uh, what she said was she noticed that, um, all of the successful Kickstarters, those that are six figures or above, they have some form of celebrity involved. There's like the the peak design bag that they designed mm-hmm. with the photographer, and and uh, Simone Geertz made the her own everyday checklist thing, and then like there was a pattern, you know. So that's one thing. The second thing is uh, we also knew about email list. Like she told me, email is the number one converting channel out of all the channels. I was like, oh wow, okay. And I heard these two things very early on in my research. So that kind of like skewed my bias in a good way. Yeah. So um, I was always trying to build an email list and I had learned about Facebook ads and driving traffic to a landing page and all of that. So uh, that's on like sort of on, on convergence side. Mm-hmm. But if we do like AIDA, attention, interest, decision, action, uh, attention's the hard part, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, naturally, uh, we thought if we can get celebrities, it'll, it'll be great. Uh, and my Instagram feed had this artist's um, ad come up that said, okay, these two uh, musicians from Final Fantasy are coming to play, and there's a meet and greet. Like, oh, fantastic. How much is it? It was like $50. Wasn't was was nothing. Mm-hmm. So we signed up, and I was like, oh, but how do we get their attention? Like, how do we wow them? So we had made a name card for ourselves as a mm-hmm. joke. <laughs> uh, they look like this. Yes. That's yeah. like your, your business card too, right? Yes, it's yeah. my business name card. So That's we cool. made that as a joke for ourselves. And we noticed that every time we showed it to someone, they would always say, wow. Like there was always an emotional reaction. So we thought, huh. What would happen if we made one for someone? So I just spent like three, because I'm, I'm not the designer on the team, Keith is, but he was busy designing the game. So I spent like three days designing one guy's card. And then he spent like five minutes designing the other guy's card and he was, his was nicer. <laughs> but then we got there and the concert was amazing. We went to the meet and greet and then we said, hey, we have a gift for you. And then we were, we were obviously recording. Mm-hmm. We passed the thing over to them and they went, wow. You know, and both of them did that. So we were like, that was really, really cool. So that was from like these two Final Fantasy concert people who are musicians for the game world. So that was like perfect. Yeah. And 
uh, I thought it was a one-off thing. But that same day, we had a, a, another concert to go to, which was a Goodsman and Jews concert, who are even bigger in the classical music world. Unfortunately, there was no uh, meet and greet, so we didn't uh, make the cards, and we also had no time. But I, know, <laughs> I noticed in the audience, I knew someone, so I DM'd him in, during the intermission and asked, can, I, can you get me backstage? He said, yeah, sure, just come along. So we came by, and I just snuck backstage, and I was wearing this. Yeah. Which sort of gets you in, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a jacket, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, people thought we were important, but obviously we weren't. So we got in, and we showed him the game without having a special card for him, and he happened to love it. So we recorded all of it, and we told him there was a Kickstarter, and he said, I will support your Kickstarter. He said it three times. So we, we like, marketed the shit out of that. So did he buy, did he support on the Kickstarter? Actually, no, because he's so busy, but uh, yeah. we're still in email contact, and he, he, he still wants to get involved somehow, but he's just so busy that it's crazy, yeah. Have you, sorry if I missed this, but have you, uh, is he on your list of people just to ship a game out to? Yes, we will ship a game out okay. to him. Cool. For sure. Yeah, because he doesn't really yeah. have to back, but it's just more like, hey, thanks for helping us indirectly type thing. That could be super cool. But, yeah. Oh, that's So, amazing. I mean, so these were yeah. the, the three... The four, the first four musicians that we yeah. uh, that we got in contact with, and then we just replicated this with all the other ten, essentially, yeah. just the same thing. Make a card, show up, even if there's no meet and greet, find a way backstage, and yeah. I found that one way to always, essentially, always get backstage or access to the to the artist is to ask the sound guy, the sound guy. Why to say the sound guy, after, uh, because the sound guy spends a lot of time with the artist. They're in direct contact. They smoke together. They sit in the same car together, and no one talks to the sound guy. So, <laughs> so yeah. just ask him. Hey, any chance you can see the big guy, and then he'll tell you. Yeah. Like I was uh, just at, at Trevor Noah, uh, mm-hmm. Trevor Noah's show, and yeah. I wanted to get backstage. So I asked the sound guy, and he said, "Oh." Uh, you got to come back for the next show. But if you do, then you can get a good chance. But I came late, so I missed the bus on that one. But if I was on time, it would have worked. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, I want to dig into a couple things. So um, I spoke to um, Sarah Shaw on the podcast like a few episodes back about gifting product to celebrities, which in theory works if you have product. But you, before Kickstarter didn't have products. So I want to highlight something you did for people that are like, well, it sounds great, but I don't have anything to give the celebrity. Why did you choose the card versus just going up empty handed? Because you didn't have a game to give them. So why, what was significant about what you gave them in your strategy? Right. Uh, so in, in the LinkedIn article, <laughs> I used LORD Lord framework. So L is just locate them, find them out where, where they're going to be. Number two, offer. O is offer an amazing gift. So the whole idea is if you're going to visit a king or a lord, you would come bearing gifts just to, to make them happy and, and uh, show get, get a good reaction. The reason why we picked cards is because it's a card game. So you can't just give anything. You have to give something that's indicative of your product. And our products are essentially these cards that we made for them that were just like my own. 
Yeah. Yeah. And on the back is the, the same back as our cards as well. Yeah. I like it. So it's it's a gift that is it stands out, but it's also relevant to your game. And that's where it's different because you don't want to you want to stand out by not just getting them a generic. Here's a set of flowers or what a bouquet of flowers, we'll say, because that's great. But maybe it's something that everyone gets them. So if you can go unique and personalized, like the reactions that you guys were able to capture from your cards were like, I guarantee all of these musicians have those cards still because it's a memorable gift. Exactly. So, um, and the other thing I want to dig into, because you brought this up actually on the other day in the Q&A or launch accelerator, where um, one of our members was trying to get in contact with a Facebook influencer, I think it was, and you're like, well, why don't you go to the cameraman? Because people go to the most obvious person. You go, you know, you try to get the musician or that celebrity themselves. And unfortunately, they're just not that accessible. So if you can go to like their inner circle, you're going to have a much higher chance of actually getting in contact with them, like the wife or the cameraman or the sound guy, like you just talked about in here. Yes. Yeah. I'll always go to someone else who's close to them who is not in the limelight. And uh, I thought about the camera guy because I thought about the sound guy. It's basically the same thing. And uh, if back to the old podcast that you did with uh, Sarah. Sarah, yes. She used to be a makeup artist, right? So that's why she knows. Oh, I don't know about that. Maybe. Go on. Yeah, I think she used to be a makeup (laughs) artist for the celebrities. That's why she knew him. So that worked as well. And... uh, um, yeah, like one thought of like that's like a like the same idea but on steroids mm-hmm. is you just watch a movie and then go to the end credits. The end credits are full of leads who know all the celebrities. Like go to the makeup section, go to the casting section. People in casting know everyone. So and like their whole their full names are there. You can find them on LinkedIn or like just ask someone who knows someone who knows someone. I never thought of it like that before. <laughs> I'm never gonna look at movies the same. So I'm like, who am I trying to get in contact with for X Y Z? So awesome. Well, I want to go back to the social proof. Just kind of happened by accident. Then you built a strategy around it, and that became kind of the like the strength behind your marketing. When you um, had these photos when you have the video how did you actually use that to then build your audience ahead of launch because i assume you use that through facebook advertising or some other channels in the build-up for your launch right correct so we had a whole bunch of videos that were pretty boring to watch if you watched them alone <laughs> yeah. right and I, I happened to see a soundbrenner soundbrenner is also a music product and they were on mm-hmm. kickstarter they raised like 500k and I saw their, their, uh, they made a compilation of reactions from famous musicians on Instagram. And I was like, oh, this is engaging. It's, it's, it's fast paced. So I made it like an even crazier version <laughs> of that video, which is on LinkedIn. And uh, that was what we mainly ran on for our Facebook ads. Like we had, so um, we ran a few things. One of them was a medium like a blog post detailing our whole story. That one worked really well. And then another one, uh, 
was basically this reaction video. So I watch a lot of YouTube, like too much YouTube, and it's, it's gaming, it's funny gaming videos of people like making reaction videos, like super funny edited stuff mm-hmm. with lots of memes, like nani, like that one. So I put all of that into the video, and that's why like people didn't find it as marketing. They was just like, "Wow, this is a funny video on on Facebook." Mm-hmm. And I remember the comments were like, well, this is the funniest thing. Uh, people shared it and said, this is marketing done right. You know, and it was just me having fun with a, a crazy funny video that I want to show all of my friends. Did, when you did ads for that, did you do the objective as video views or did you do the traditional, oh, click here to learn more, then take you directly to the page? Like, how did you use that video? Uh it led you to a landing page. Okay. But now that I think about it, we should have done video views and then do the retargeting based on percentage watched. <laughs> well, you could do it in the future. It obviously, you know, it worked for you guys at first. Um, uh, speaking of marketing done right, it's so funny. Like, I remember um, I th- uh, Yu sent me his Facebook copy for, like, the new site. And I was like, I have nothing to critique. This is amazing. So you guys have, um, your marketing is on point, and I actually wanted to bring up something else that you guys have done really well um, based on, uh, it's funny, you gave me inspiration based on the Q&A call the other day. So um, Reddit, a lot of people don't get Reddit. See Reddit, you go into a subreddit, and all of a sudden people are like, hey, back my Kickstarter, and they don't understand why they get locked out of a subreddit. So... Um, let's actually take a second and talk about that. Um, what, how did you use Reddit before launch? Because you had one subreddit, one post go viral, like upvoted, what, 800 times or something, you were saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so let's so, talk about how you did that. Okay, this, this is a pretty great and fun story. Uh, there was a concert with a cellist, and this cellist was like very handsome. The girls like him. <laughs> so we wanted to, uh, we went to that concert with the intention of getting his endorsement. So we had made the card for him. But in Singapore, they have these things called pre-concert talks. Pre-concert talks. Mm-hmm. They would just describe the piece and explain it so you can listen to it better. And uh, usually it's just like like a DJ or, or some historian. But this time, the the, the concert was for Vochak, Antonin Vochak, which is the mm-hmm. composer of um, Badum, 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 humorist. Mm-hmm. So his great-great-granddaughter was the one giving the pre-concert talk. And I was like, whoa, holy shit. Like, <laughs> an actual, like, that's crazy. Yeah. And it was just like a surprise. And she was just there. And the audience was like 20 people. Like, no one was there. Yeah, because no one goes for these pre-concert talks. They're so boring. (laughs) That's a joke. (laughs) And yet, here you were. But yes, of course. (laughs) Yeah. So we went there, and and she told really funny stories. She's not even a musician, actually. Yeah, but uh, we got a photo. I put my product, the the place where they put the water bottles. (laughs) So people were looking at my product the whole time. And so after I talked to her for a bit, it was just like five minutes. And like, can we take a picture together? She's like, sure. Got her signature. And when we went to Reddit, uh, I, I knew that we can't just promote what we have. We can't just say like, here, I made this thing. 
click I click it you know mm. uh, it had to be content that they want to see and reddit people they just want to see like interesting things that's why we're on reddit mm-hmm. so and I also noticed that when there is some controversy then there's more more comments more comments means more views more views more upvotes and that helps you just so yeah, viral so I titled the post the great great granddaughter of Anthony Vojak went to Singapore and she's beautiful and then there's a picture of me holding the product and just smiling with her that's all and like it I, I went so that day we posted like five things on reddit there were other things that all like they bombed mm-hmm. like one guy told us like stop posting stuff but this one the next morning we're like holy shit it blew like 500 uh, upvotes and then it grew over the day and we just like replied people Oh, yeah. People and, and of course I didn't say her name as well. So people were just asking her name over and over again. Yeah, because they want to go on Instagram and be like, "Who is this girl?" Like, um, so headline was that like pretty obvious. And did you have a long post associated with it, or was it just a that headline with a link slash photo? That was all. That was yeah, it. That was all. Okay. Yeah. So but, uh, we yeah. we we uh, looked out for a comment that would ask about the piano box because it's a it's our product looks weird so, so someone asked and we explained and then they were like oh wow i really want one can you send me one like send me the details so that was cool that's awesome did you by chance track the traffic from that link or the amount of subscribers or anything that came through that uh i don't think there is much but it was a cool moment <laughs> yeah that's awesome because I find Reddit is one of those things you have to do tastefully and it's hard to do well. And you did it well with that. So, um, and Reddit can be capitalized on for really good sales opportunities, but you just, you know, you really have to be creative with it because it is a, um, it's a, you know, they have closed communities for good, valuable content. And that's usually not links, unless if you're in the Kickstarter subreddit or the crowdfunding one, that's all links. Um, but I find any other subreddit, if you guys are looking at getting into it, listening to this, like just l- follow the rules. Don't drop a link because you're going to get your account, um, but just put it in jeopardy. So, yeah, you, you can like tease, tease people. So they ask for a link. Mm-hmm. How did you tease? Cause I know you've done a few other, um, sort of Reddit posts. How else would you tease? Uh, I mean, one way was our account was Lord of the so actually i think people googled it and then they were like this is kind of disingenuous but i still like the content someone said that (laughs) whatever it worked (laughs) that's super cool um also awesome well is there anything else that i should have asked you that i haven't um no actually (laughs) no actually so this, um, I guess, what's next for you guys? Post Kickstarter, what oh. do you want to do? Well, so I got in contact with uh, one of the celebrities again, and this was by coincidence. I was actually going after a different celebrity, but it turns out they're together, so he was there. And then we started talking more, and he, he, we might do a product together, so that's very, very interesting for us. Yeah. Yeah, but like... We're still talking. I don't know what's going to happen. 
But I think that might be exciting because then we don't have to go after the celebrities. We just design for them, with them, and market alongside them all the way. That's awesome. Would it be more like a white label um, arrangement, or are you thinking of developing another product under the Lord of the Chords brand? We are not so sure about anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just focus on one right now, you know? <laughs> so... Well, that's really cool. Um, well, if anyone wants to go pick up the world's punniest and geekiest music theory card game, where can people go to get it? They can go to lordofthecourts.com. Okay, awesome. And you guys ship globally? Yes. Awesome. Guys, seriously, fun game, and it looks amazing. So really excited to um, work with you guys in the next few months on this. Um, apart from that, uh, all links that I mentioned are below, either below or in the show notes at kirsten.com slash ls20. I'm going to link his LinkedIn article as well as um, how to get in contact with John. Uh, actually, um, how can people get in contact with you directly if they have a, a follow-up question? So both on LinkedIn and Instagram, I'm John Off the Chords, J-O-N-O-F-T-H-E-C-H-O-R-D-S. Perfect. I'll drop everything below here. But apart from that, this has been awesome. So thanks for your time. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more like it, as well as free resources, be sure to head over to our website, which is kirsten.com. It's K-H-I-E-R-S-T-Y-N.com. And if you do not want to miss another episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms or catch the video version of this on YouTube. Apart from that, we'll see you next time. Are you launching a product on either Kickstarter or Shopify and you're feeling completely overwhelmed with the process? Hi there, my name is Kirsten, the CEO of Launch and Scale. To date, we've helped several online sellers sell millions of dollars online and scale their business from zero to seven figures by focusing on building an audience of fans that will actually convert into paying customers. If you're serious about building a seven-figure e-commerce brand with less time and less risk, you should check out our product launchpad. PLP is a proven accelerator that takes you step-by-step -step through the process of launching and scaling your product brand. Brands like the Monk Manual, Aberlite, Series Chill, Jamstack, and several others were all launched using our product launch pad. So if you'd like to be our next success story, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more. And for a limited time, we're offering a seven-day trial of the product launch pad for only $1. Again, go to launchandscale.co slash PLP to learn more.